My dog's acting like your dog upstairs. <laughs> Just heard it. <laughs> Welcome back to Howl History. I am Derek. That's Chad. We talked about uh, coming up with code names or nicknames for this podcast, but we're on our third season, and by this point, it wouldn't make any difference. So, Chad, I, I guess you're just stuck with Chad from now on. How you doing? Well, you didn't like Rat. So. I didn't. No, you tried to name me Rat. <laughs> I didn't appreciate that. What, what was mine? Stinky Cat. So, like, that wasn't... <laughs> Those weren't really... Uh, well, when you, want, when you tell appealing. me that your voice changed because you had a cold. I had to hearken back to the friends days with Phoebe and smelly cat, but yeah, you could have just called me Phoebe. I could have, well, is that better than smelly cat? <laughs> Probably. Okay. Well, Phoebe, how you doing? <laughs> Good. How are you? <laughs> I'm not too bad. The wolves are uh, coming back tonight. We'll, we'll try to get this published before the game. Otherwise this will be uh, out of date before uh, anybody even listens to it. But uh, we're super excited to spend a long enough time without any Tim Rules basketball. Uh, it was a, a wonderful uh, all-star break. Not exactly, you know, super eventful, but seeing Cat do his thing was was a joy. And we're sitting three games over 500 with only 23 to go. So, Chad, how are you feeling about the Tim Rules as we come to the, down to the home stretch? I mean, I don't pretty good. I mean, I don't know how you can really feel bad about a team that, I mean, Vegas thought we were only going to have a couple more wins all season mm-hmm. than what we have right now. So that's good. I think most fans, even the most optimistic of fans, were just hoping to be in the play-in games. And now we're like realistically within reach of securing a top six or higher spot. So, um, yeah, I think overall, you know, I'm pretty excited. I mean, I, I was a little bit, I'm a little bit concerned with the way Ant played down the stretch right before the All-Star break. Um, just because he just hasn't seemed to be in the game, you know? And so um, I think that part's a little bit concerning, but I'm not worried about it long-term. So I think that'll sort itself out. So barring any sort of health issues, I think this team should be a lot of fun to watch next. You know, yeah. I mean, I think a lot weeks. of the players and the team in general have been very, we're very up and down heading into the all-star break. And, you know, there's lots of talk about it being, you know, dead legs or exhaustion from the defensive styles they've been playing, or even just trying to mix up, mix in different defensive patterns and systems so that teams can't you know cherry pick and target specific things and patterns but um you know all but towns right i mean that's yeah towns has been consistent and i think that's i I, that's a reminder for all the the people who are like you know rightfully excited about the edwards you know his emergence on this team but that's why towns is so important to the team he's still far and away our best player and the most consistent guy you can count on because you can't and part of that for Ant is just that he's a guard. It's sometimes it's hard for a guard to get going because, you know, you can't just get your all your buckets in the paint like a center can. Although Towns isn't one yeah, of those guys. Towns he doesn't gets, do that either. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you know, Towns is just. I mean, he's a that's a awesome thing to have on a team that a guy that you just know what you're going to get night in and night out, and and you know, and he can go off for forty any given night, but he's rarely going to have a. A single digit. I don't remember the last time he's had a single digit game. I mean, no. it's got to, it had to have been several years, you know. And Ant has had a couple of those in the last week before the Super Bowl, before the All Star <laughs> break. And so, I I just think perspective is important here when we talk about how this team, what this team's future is, because I still think it, it's you know Towns is at the center of the Wolves universe for, right now. I mean, he has to be at least until they 
reach a point of no return and we haven't gotten there yet because you know as we talked previously and before the season started there were breaking points for what the team could do this year where you where you had to take a look at and decide if this was the team moving forward and not necessarily a is towns as good as we thought but do we even have the flexibility as long as towns and dealer are on the russell to turn this into something else moving forward and with the way that they've played with the record that they have and the expectations that they've exceeded i don't think we're anywhere near that point towns is showing himself to be a a top tier player you know i was thinking about it on my walk yesterday with the dog and i don't you know he's not at the you know I, what was it it was a dnvr podcast that dane moore was on where they kind of talked to experts about minnesota dallas um utah and memphis because those are the teams around the nuggets and trying to figure out where they think all those teams are going to fall I was just thinking about like the the top players on each of those teams, and I don't think I'd put Towns like in the in the Jokic stratosphere right no, now because no. Jokic is on a you know he's up at the top, and then to, to be honest, I don't know that outside of Luca maybe. Well, yeah, it. I mean, so that's the thing. So there's Jokic, you know, and then there's Luca, and then I'd probably even put Ja where he's gotten to at least reputation wise in terms of tier A star in this league um, as guys that I'm excited about moving forward that I would be like super dependent on as my best player i don't know if towns is in that like especially in marketing purposes and moving forward for the league yeah, yeah. and being the face like i don't think he's there i think he but i think he's clearly at that next level you know if Tal- you wanted... talent wise i think he's on par still with where jaw is right now no, yeah jaw's on a trajectory up yep that's on a trajectory across <laughs> exactly like, you know? i mean i don't want to so say I... he's plateaued he's probably has something else yeah, he can he unlock growth, but, but he's not like i mean no not exponential jaw's a, a hockey stick right now yeah ramping up where you know cats inching up like he's improved made improvements on defense this year but he's yeah. taken some steps back offensively and it's like his numbers but some of that's because he's got more help than he's ever had offensively exactly um, but i would agree i mean i just i think even if you just look at big man i think in the league in the tier i still think Jokic and Embiid are a tier above cat mm-hmm. and that's the tier that we talked about cat being in a few years ago but i think cats in that very next tier with gobert and you know, Absolutely. I mean, and that's going to open up a lot of questions in the offseason because he's making a run for that third team all NBA. And I mean, if you listen to the recent uh, or one of the recent Zach Lowe podcasts, um, he was talking about how if they give him positional flexibility again this year, he might put Jokic and Embiid both in the first team. Because, you know, because he, if they're number one or number two in MVP, it's kind of stupid that they have to be first team and second team, even though it's restricted by position. So if the NBA is going to allow them, them to put one of them at power forward, he might do that. In which case, it opens up the possibility of both Gobert and Towns being in the All-NBA conversation. And if that happens, then Towns is eligible for that Supermax. And we talked mm-hmm. about it in a previous episode, what that means to the Wolves' numbers moving forward. Um, they should be fine next year because he's not extension eligible. He, his ex- extension won't kick in for another two seasons after this one. But it'll make things uh, a little tight there for at least one season unless that cap spike really hits in. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and, you know, so... I guess selfishly as a fan who wants other important pieces on this team, I'd prefer him not to make one of right. those <laughs> those teams, but I think the guy deserves it. I think he's, I think he's clearly a top 15 player in this league. Yeah. And so I think he belongs on one of those teams and, and um, you know, some of the guards that will make it just because the flexibility, you just need two guards, two forwards, you know, whatever mm-hmm. um, probably don't deserve it, but they get it because they get more three point shooting, whatever. I, I, you know, I had to go through that my head on who, what guys belong up there, but you know, guys like James Harden who have been up there yep. every year in the past, I don't think should be up there this year. Um, and I don't think he will be, you know, but you know, Steph's still going to be there, you know, guys like that. So, but 
I think Towns has shown he's a top 15 guy this, this year. And you can make the argument maybe 16, he's 17, whatever. But you could also make the argument he's as high as 12, you know, yep. in the best players. So, um, I, I think, think the most, are... yeah, I think the most important thing to look at when it comes to Towns being even eligible for this and the Timberwolves' record at this point in the season is that unlike the past two years, he's been largely healthy and available for the Timberwolves, and the Timberwolves' fortunes go with Towns' health. And even when they had Travion Graham as the best three-point shooter around Carl Anthony Towns, like the Timberwolves are still winning when he was healthy, and it's mm-hmm. just kind of been the the trend over the last few years. So them sitting at three games over five hundred is not necessarily. I don't know if that's even necessarily having exceeded expectations. If you would have told any everybody that Towns would be healthy except for one minor COVID stint in the middle of the year, like that's just kind of if you look at history, that's just how they do. That's how they roll, and this he can lift a team. So it's just good to see him getting that recognition and being back in that tier. You know, it's it's no longer a like, well, I think he's down by the Bam Adebayo's and the um, Sabonis's. You know, in terms of center quality he's he's back up if not at the Jokic and Embiid tier because they've, they've clearly done work over the last couple of years to advance their games when Towns has largely stayed steady he's in that next tier which is good mm-hmm. to see yeah and, and the tiers have gotten smaller mm-hmm. for big men because it's that like you said the top tier is just the two guys that mm-hmm. second tier might just be the two guys of Cat and Gobert yeah I don't know how anybody yeah. else even sneaks in there yeah and then then the tier after that it might get a little bit a little bit fatter with the, the, like you said, Bam and Sabonis and and some of those types of guys. I'm sure there but, are seven other teams that would call out somebody that, that that should be in there as well. I mean, Vucevic in Chicago, I'm sure they want him in there as well. Yeah, and, but he's not a tier two guy with Cat. No, absolutely not. Right. Yeah, so like, I mean, I don't know how anybody makes that argument unless you're just a diehard Bulls fan. But um, yeah, so I, I mean, I think Cat's creating separation now from those guys that he was in the conversation with a year ago. That maybe most Bulls fans still felt that cat was above those guys then too. But um, it just, it's good to see him get some of the recognition that he's deserved over the past mm-hmm. few years. You know, it's like just a few weeks ago when he made the comment about being the best shooting big man in NBA history. And he was taking flack nationally for right. that. Yeah. You know? And I'm like, it's just a fact. Yeah. That's not even what is, what more does he need to do to prove it? Yeah. I mean, and this was before the three point contest where, you know, he wins it as a center, but I don't really even understand how it's even, controversial statement because I was looking at the stats because I was kind of in a debate with this guy who's a Mavericks fan. So of course he's yeah, offended because he's be a Dirk, Dirk guy. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I'm like, okay, first off, Dirk is a power forward. I know that's a big man, but it's not like he's playing center like mm-hmm. cat. Mm-hmm. Secondly, cat shoots better. <laughs> like, so it doesn't really even matter if you yeah. want to that. And I'm like, I was sort of looking down the line. I'm like, Brett Robson's pointing this out on different articles and past that. His true shooting percentage, his effective field goal percentage are all higher for his career than Kevin Durant's, mm-hmm. who people are talking like might be the best scoring p- scorer of all time. And Cat's shooting better than him. And, you know, I'm not saying Cat's a better player than Durant. Durant's, you know, better at more things than Cat is. But at shooting percentage, Cat's higher. And I started, I kept going, Cat's got a better career three point shooting percentage than Reggie Miller. Yeah. That's insane. I mean, I know the league's changed. But that's still insane, no matter how you slice it, because I don't think I think most people, me included, think that if Reggie played today, he'd be even a bigger star than he was because he'd be taking nine threes instead of five. Nine threes. And he's a six foot eight guy shooting threes. He's a six foot eight version of Steph Curry, you know, launching threes like that's a that's pretty incredible. But Cat's a seven foot version of Steph Curry doing the same thing. So it's to me, it's just remarkable. I don't think Cat gets enough credit. For what he is, which is a generational shooting big man. I mean, he's the best. He's the best. He's, he's number one when you rank him in terms of big man. Like the only center you 
even can make an argument is Sam Perkins, who was a role player. Like yeah. he didn't play. It wasn't the same. No, and he was six foot nine or whatever. He's not that same player mm-hmm. that Towns is. So um, it's there is just no comps there for Cat as a as a shooter. You know, no. like Kevin Love, but I mean, he's a power forward. You know, and even then, I, I didn't look up Love's three point career percentage, but. I mean, Cat's just on a different level than all these guys. I mean, the only guys that are close to him, he was like .02 away from Ray Allen. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and even like Steph Curry, he's got a higher three-point percentage this year than Steph Curry for this season. You know, career-wise, Steph's still higher. But that those are the guys he's in the conversation with. Forget big men. He's in the conversations with Reggie Miller, Ray Allen, and Steph Curry, the three best three-point shooters of all time. So it's just, you know, he's he's higher than Bird. I mean, he's, oh, you know, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So he's... He's the the real deal when it comes to that, you know. And the rubber is really those... going to meet the road when, if Chris Finch is telling the truth with everything he's been saying since this All Star break, they really start getting, featuring him more in the offense over these last twenty three games. I, I part of me wonders if he's saying that because he's sick of hearing <laughs> the "I'm tired" excuses from Ant. Yeah, D'Lo and Beverly are in and out of the lineup every every you know few games. Well, D'Lo talked about being tired too. I mean, he and he did, but yeah. D'Lo also was the guy that was crabby about it when people were asking. It's like, why are we talking about? this you know so Dilo's kind of talking out of both sides of his mm-hmm. mouth around that subject you know so i could see where finch is like liking some of the things Dilo says and in the tired thing he might be annoyed the one guy that hasn't really talked about being tired other than to defend ant was cat cat wasn't really i mean cat talks a lot so he it's like he says a lot of things but he's also the only guy that hasn't had to make an excuse for his yeah, play he, he hasn't had to say he's tired he yeah. has said that the team is tired right right yeah which and that, i mean just, he plays a different position he plays a different style of ball than the wings i mean delo's probably the one that has doesn't have any more excuse than than towns does you know ant being a wing defender has to be out in the you know primary def- or offensive player more often vando's on the back line getting killed every single game yeah giving everything look vando to me i don't even think ant has a really excuse to be more tired than cap because it's let's be honest his level of defense is he's just playing free safety he's kind of standing in an open space mm-hmm waiting for the ball yeah he plays the point of attack defender but he's not yeah they're very short short stints you know he's not banging with a, the biggest guy he's on the not, team no. like he's not getting double and triple teamed every time he touches the ball like cat you know like to me cat is the the guy that should be the second most tired after vando and then beverly with honorable <laughs> only that beverly's out so many games it's hard to say he's you yeah know, when you more. miss three out of every 10 it's you yeah you shouldn't be that tired right i but mean vando, Ando for sure has the biggest. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, the, the way he plays, he definitely needed this break, and he's not the only one that needed the break. I mean, Ant did. You could clearly see it. He didn't make a field goal in his last game against Toronto before the break. Although he saved him against Indiana two games earlier, so they they all Which had their ups and downs. When he was talking about his knee, yeah, soreness and stuff, and then he's like, "Well, now I feel, I feel great. You know, I'm back. So like, I'm I'm 100 again." And then it's like the next night he didn't score. Well, he, you know, so. It was against was against Charlotte when he tweaked his ankle and missed the second half, and then yeah. questionable going in against Toronto. Yeah, I, mean, and... I, did, I did my prize picks, the over on his rebounds. I yeah. needed one more rebound, uh. and then he like doesn't come back out. I'm like, <laughs> what's going on? I I hit my other one. I like my other who's the Charlotte player. I think it was uh, well, whatever, it doesn't matter. Yeah. But I uh, Plumley, I had Plumley on the over too. So I had his rebounds locked up by halftime. All I needed was one more from Ann. I was so annoyed he wasn't. <laughs> I know. I mean, so it was just like I. Luckily, you know, thank you again. You gave me your tickets to that Toronto game, so I got to take my my oldest daughter to her first Wolves game. And if you haven't, if you have kids and you haven't gotten a chance to take them down to Target Center, like, just do it. It's a blast. You know, she had the time of her life. She sat there eating cotton candy for two quarters, and 
she'd sit there with the howl meter and just make as much noise as she could. And then after the free throw, she'd turn and ask me if it went in because she wasn't even actually paying attention <laughs> to the, the shot. She was just watching the howl meter trying to get into the red. But, um, but you know, it was just, there was something off with Ant. Whether I don't, I don't think it was necessarily just being tired. And if he his ankle was really that bad, they need to start figuring out how to how to communicate better with him or him better with the training staff to get him the rest that he needs or to just sit out if he's not able to to do what he needs to do on the floor. Because going zero for six or whatever it happened to be and four for eight from the free throw line, you know, it was just it wasn't a game that, you know, he can hang his hat on for any reason. You know, his no, defense even, wasn't there. His rebounding wasn't there. It was just... That's what I was going to say. If you could play hurt and yeah. still make yourself a factor in the game, and that's not why Ant's not doing it. Like, I, I was actually just talking about this with somebody, too, because I just watched for, like, the third time the, the Kevin Garnett documentary. Mm-hmm. And one of the clips in the documentary was towards the end of KG's first run with the Wolves, and he was at his house over the summer working out, and he's like... I'm working hard for you, Soda. I'll be back. We're better than, you know, I don't take games off. I don't miss a game. And then they were talking to like Flip. They quotes from like Flip and Doc mm-hmm. and different guys talking about how he played hurt all the time with torn ligaments, yeah. sprained ankles, you know, sore knees, everything. And there are guys that can just fight through that pain. And to his credit, I do get that vibe from him that he's just not a guy that's going to be like, no, no I, I yeah. can't go. But he, he and Towns are both like that, which is great with yeah. how, what we've seen in the past out of this franchise. But the difference is between like a KG and what Ant's doing is you can't just say, no, I'm good to go. Mm-hmm. And then just go out there and half-ass it. Right. You, you have can't. to still play hard, even if you're not as effective. And what Ant kind of would do is kind of do nothing and just hope that, you know, he would touch the ball more and that his shots would start going down. And then if his shots start going down and he start playing well, then all of a sudden he started trying harder on all the other things. But he kind of was playing the lazy man game. Yeah. And I think part of that's just his age. and It absolutely and is. He doesn't know how to adjust into a different mindset yeah. if he can't do the things that he can normally physically can do. Yeah. And he's 20 years old. He's, he's going to have that yeah. in the future. So, like, you know, I'm not beating up on the no. guy. I'm just, you know, want to, you know, there is a difference. In, in that. And there are some guys that just, could they come to the league like that? Like Kobe. Like, you know, that's the reason why those guys are Hall of Famers already. You know, mm-hmm. and Ant is on that trajectory. But... There, there are there's levels to that game and you know so hopefully he you know i would rather see him just playing hard i mean he was attacking a little bit in that that toronto game yeah he got you to know, the line did, yeah yeah but he wasn't you know like the jump shots weren't going down something I he gets cold anyway like even when he's healthy he has games where he's just like yeah i mean there's so many times you know and you, you know the the fans around my seats mm-hmm. there's a couple guys that are super annoying but um you know when they're they, they they're cheering for Ant to shoot it every time he touches the ball and they're booing whenever D'Lo touches the ball because they don't want him to shoot. And I'm like, there are so many games Ant shoots us out of contention. You know, like we have to scratch and claw our way back into it because, yeah. And there are games where he just heats up and he's a force that mm-hmm. you can't stop too. So it's just like, you know, I don't, I don't know what the right answer is there, but for Ant individually, you know, you, if you're hurt, don't just keep chucking jump shots like try to get yourself going in other ways because then i think that jump shot will start falling once you start having success other ways. it's the same thing i tell my son in his basketball like you need to if your shot's not falling get a couple easy ones but my son just wants to shoot threes right he was yeah (laughs) he he was in a tournament last saturday and he had 14 threes on the day and then 
the last game, he was seven of ten from threes. He didn't take any other shots. Yeah, right. he only took three pointers. He would be wide open. My, I wasn't there because I was sick, but my wife was messing with me. She's like, he just had a steal on a breakaway and just pulled up and shot the three, <laughs> like in eighth grade. Like, what are yeah. you doing? You know, like, I mean, that's kids because that's what they watch in the NBA. So it's like but, me at rec basketball. Anything in, <laughs> inside the three point lines is too much effort. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to run ninety feet. No, no, like, no, no, no. Just run that like a thirty five feet back and forth. Yeah, we're playing probably at like a 60-foot gym anyway, so it's uh, – <laughs> there's only 20 feet in the middle that, we, you know, you go back and forth. between. you got to find the right guy to guard, though, and it agrees to the to the deal, but you do what you can. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, Ants, he's still young, like we said, and even up until earlier this season, we talked about how t- things still needed to slow down for Towns to the point that he could be consistent every single night and not taken out of his game. And he's gotten better at that as the year goes, years gone on. He has he's seen different double teams. He's played in lots of different spots on the floor. So hopefully, with that experience, no matter what the other team throws at him, he's really going to be a little bit more successful with it. But Ant, well, that, Ant just other, hasn't seen that. Yeah, and the other promising part of it was this is about the point that he launched last season as well. Yeah, the point of the year where that last eight weeks of the season he just took it to his game to another level. You know. This year, he's been playing at that same level all season up until those last handful of games. So maybe that hopefully that rest will help propel him back into that that level he was at all season mm-hmm. up to that point. And, you know, ideally another step and takes another step, you know, to close out and get us into that playoff spot. Get us, you know, get get going hot before the playoffs start. Yeah. I and mean, I think coming into the year when we just talked about what our expectations or hopes were for each of these players, we kind of said if Ant could do all year what he just did over the second half of last season we'd be okay with that we didn't need to see another huge leap we just wanted to see him maintain that because it had been such a small sample size and he's done that he i mean he's at 22 points five rebounds three and a half assists a game on you know 55 percent true shooting which is you know league average you know efficiency so he's a he's a top level scorer you know in this league especially in the backcourt and if he continues to move forward and if he continues to improve, especially an in-season improvement would be just huge from this team. Not to mention the fact that post-All-Star game is usually when Carl goes off too. I mean, we've seen him do that and just be a monster to close out season. So um, there's, I mean, there's stuff to be concerned about. The defense was waning. The energy wasn't quite there. They weren't having the same effect, even though they were winning games as we saw earlier in the year. Um, and But if they can come back with new energy and, yeah, have have a couple of these guys really find their feet again, especially Vanderbilt. You know, if Carl can take a step forward, if Ant is you know peak Ant, then they're going to be set up, like you said, perfectly for the seven seed, and even you know making this tough for Denver and Dallas right ahead of them at six and five. So, isn't it weird, like the way the schedules work? And it seems like it's like this every year for the Wolves, where right around the trade deadline. You know when the trades start falling, the mm-hmm. Wolves happen to play the teams when they get their new guys. Right. We're always like the first t- team to play them, which you know, on one way you're like, well, maybe that's a, a benefit because then you're playing them before they kind of get the energy is always just amped way up. different. Yeah, because it's, it's like right before the All Star game, you're dwindling as you roll in the teams that are making the trades or the teams that are dissatisfied. Des- yeah. dissatisfied. It's, or a, something. it's a new lease on life. You yeah. get to the new team, and now here we go. We go into tomorrow night, and it'll be Harden's first game for the Sixers. Yeah. And, you know, and it's like, that's already a big game because of the Embiid cat rivalry yep. and, and all that. Um, so I'm, uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. It sucks because it's the second game of a back-to-back for mm-hmm. us. And then we have to go and play Philly, which is going to be tough. But um, the Wolves have uh, the kind of like the Spreewell game that I was at earlier this yeah. year. Yeah. Richardson's going to be there to sign autographs. And, and uh, I was disappointed to know that you didn't know who young MC was when I, 
I, I know the music of Young MC. I don't How know. Do you not I know didn't the, know his name, but yeah. How do you not know the man? Um, <laughs> to be fair, everybody I was texting that because I was pretty excited about it. Nobody knew. Who, they're like, I don't know who that is. I'm like, how do you not? Like, blew my mind. He was so like, you know, one hit wonder. But I mean, it's like, you know, who Tone Loke is. I do know who Tone Loke is. Settle Young down. MC was bigger than Tone Loke. Um, Young MC is playing a halftime show though, so yeah. it's, it should be a fun game. Just having that. I love those throwback nights anyway, just because it's. All '90s music all night, and you know that's it'll my... be a blast. Yeah. Uh, speaking yeah. of throwback, I went to the, I got a ticket to the Gophers game last night against Wisconsin. I got to go with a couple of buddies and you know one of their sons, um, and we uh, they were celebrating the '81 '82 Big Ten champions, which you know I didn't care much about. I'm not a huge Gophers fan. I didn't go to the school, and I don't really follow the team. But when uh, when they walked out there, they brought them all out on the floor. They had Randy Brewer, they had Jim Pete, they had Trent Tucker, and then Ryan Saunders was there to uh, step in for his dad. So it was just kind of it was on Flip's birthday, nonetheless. But uh, it was kind of crazy to see all the all the Wolves uh, throwbacks there in, in the in the gym at the same time. That just, is crazy. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty cool. That's, that was fun. Uh, speaking of the, I did. I thought the game was at Memphis tonight. No, they're back to back at home. Yeah. yeah, I just got the email. Just popped up while we're talking. Right while we were talking about the game, saying <laughs> see you tonight. And I'm like, uh. My son's game was canceled, so I was like, on the one hand, I'm like, that'd be good, but he has photos tonight for his other team. Oh, no. He's on, so I got to figure out. That's what I'll be doing since we're done with this. There you go. <laughs> got to find, got to get to a game. Yeah. All right. So I wanted to walk through the remaining schedule. There's 23 games, and I want you to help me label each game either as a win, or an expected win, an expected loss, or a 50 50. I'm, I'm not going to get too much deeper than that because we don't know enough <laughs> to, right, to really right. do that. But. Let's let's figure out the ones we expect to be wins and the ones we expect to be losses, and then we'll split the others, and then just that'll kind of give us an idea for how we expect the Timberwolves to finish out this season. So I'll keep track, and I'll go through them one at a time. Uh, Memphis tonight. They're so hot. I think I would expect that to be a loss. All right. That's one. Uh, Philadelphia tomorrow. I think that might be a loss, too. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Cleveland? At Cleveland? That should be a win. That should be a win. I mean, I know Cleveland's much better this year, and they, you know, almost caught us sleeping last last time we played him but well garland is out tonight so we'll see if he's back by monday uh and then they come they have a back to back again uh, at home against golden state um i think we split those is it just a one so no sorry the cleveland and golden state are back oh back back yeah. oh gotcha um i mean so that'd be the second one i it has to be an expected loss at least i mean I yeah think we you're right chance, i would say it's but... expected loss but all right expected loss all right oklahoma city a win win uh, we moved on to uh, two games against Portland. Should be both wins. Should be both wins. I'd say the same thing. Oklahoma City again. Another win. Yep. All right. And then we go to Orlando. Win. Win. And then my, at Miami on March 12th. I'd say a loss. Expected yeah, loss. Probably. All right. We get at Although we've had Miami's number. We have. We've played well against them. And I've, For, I mean, since Jimmy left, Jimmy hasn't beat the Wolves. I don't yeah. think. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, with Miami, the way Miami's playing, and I mean, if we're if the Wolves have won six out of nine heading into that game, you know, it's going to seem much more much tighter than it does right now. But we'll just see what mm-hmm. the records look like when the game approaches. But all right, at San Antonio, March fourteenth, win, win, uh, versus the Lakers at home on the sixteenth, win, win, or chumps. Okay, now we got Milwaukee on the nineteenth at home, at home. I mean, I you, so we've you already got it. we already got our win against them this year. Yeah, season. you got to give it an expected loss. All right, but yeah. at, know, I'm not. So I won't at, be shocked if we win. All right, so the first one that I'd probably put in the tie category is at Dallas on March 21st. Well, I forgot we had a tie category. Um, 
I mean, so I'd give it kind of a 50-50. Yeah, I mean, I'd probably say that was a Milwaukee game, to be honest. I think we match up well against Miami. Or uh, Miami, Milwaukee. Yeah. And and even Miami could be a 50-50 game. Um, Just since we haven't used any 50-50s, I'll change mine to 50-50 for those. Um, For both of them? For both of those. All right. And then this is the Dallas game. Yep. At Dallas. At Dallas. I mean, you look on paper, and we should be better than them now that they don't have... Porzingis, which I know not everybody's a big Porzingis fan, but he's mm-hmm. been playing. He was playing well this year. I was, I was shocked to see they traded him, and Luca doesn't have a lot of help now. But they've been playing better without him, right? Um, so I'm gonna actually say that's gonna be a expected loss okay. because it's at Dallas. At that point, it should be pretty heated battle over that spot, right? It should be. Them. They should know how close things that's gonna be. Yeah. Uh, okay. So we got Dallas versus Phoenix. Even though it's at home, I'm not. I mean, Chris Paul's out, but it's still Phoenix. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, they're still yeah. good with all. All right. Versus Dallas at home. Uh, that one, I'll say expected win. So that equals out to a fifty-fifty in okay. both. But I'll say one <laughs> all right, win. All right. One, one win, one loss. Okay. Uh, we got Boston at Boston, March twenty-seventh. That should be a win. Okay. They've been playing better, but you know, come on. Yeah, they won like nine in a row, though, haven't they? Yeah. All right. At Toronto. I mean, there there isn't a team in the league that's more similar to Minnesota right now, and yeah, so fifty fifty. Um, I mean, I, I it's we don't have the benefit of like you said, we don't know who's like how are everybody is everybody gonna be back for Toronto? They're mm-hmm. kind of like us, like you said, where they guys are in and out all the time, right? Yeah, fifty fifty. Okay. Uh, at Denver, we don't know who's gonna be back for them either. Whether Murray or Porter are gonna be playing. We played them so well this year. We have. I mean, but it's April 1st with the rumors that you'd expect at least one of those two guys to be playing, but who knows at what level. Let's, I'll call that a 50-50. Okay. I, I guess it's easy to say a 50-50 when you're you're hesitating that much to say a win or a loss. So. Yeah, I know. All right, so then we got Houston, Washington, and San Antonio over the next three. Are we going wins on uh, all three of those? Win, wins all three. All right, and then we finish out versus Chicago at home. Chicago's probably going to need it less than us for positioning. Well, who knows? The top four of the East is a mess. I mean, they're all within a game of each other. Yeah, but I think they don't care if they're three or four. Sure. You know, kind of thing. Yeah. So where we might be on a four or five mm-hmm. or a five or six or a six or seven, like we could be in any of those scenarios. So I think we'll need it more. So I'll I'd say, say even expect- if we expected win, you think? I think I'm going to say expected win. I think I don't I think Chicago has been playing above their level. I don't think. DeRozan, and you know, like yeah. we, this goes back to our fantasy days. I've been a lot hotter, higher on DeRozan over the course of his career than you. But I also this year think what he's doing is not like something he can maintain <laughs> the rest of the year. <laughs> I mean, if he does, great. Yeah. Kudos to him. You know, um, but as big of a fan of DeRozan as I am, I just don't think that's feasible. So I think it when by that time DeRozan's gonna be back down to earth, back to like you know, still All Star level DeRozan, mm-hmm. just not thirty five point per game DeRozan. And the rest of the guys there, I think we match up well as well. I mean, Vucevic is a good center, but he can't contain Cat. I mean, like you said, that's going to depend on who needs it more. It's the last game of the season. The Wolves may may very well be locked into the seventh seed or the sixth seed, and Chicago might be, you know, locked into their seed. So there's no real way to tell. But right. But if you want to put in the win category, I'll put in the win category. Yep. All right. So that leaves us. And if you're right, Chad, if it follows 
what, what your predictions for each of these individual games. Things are going to get very tight in the Western Conference, especially in the, the 5, 6, 7 range, because we have 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 games in the win category with four in the tie category. So we're going 16 wins and six losses over the final 22 games. I might want to change the point. Yeah, that seems a little, numbers, uh, little optimistic. And I, well, I, I'll be the ones I was 50-50 on, I'm really more like they would be closer to the loss column for me. Yep. Uh, just because my general disposition is more optimistic. And I know, like in my head, when I'm doing them, I'm like, okay, I know a couple of these ones I'm expecting us to lose, we might win, and a couple of ones I'm expecting us to win, we'll lose. Yeah. Um, so those will equal out. But I would say you said we're 16 and 6. Yeah, I, I missed one because we have 23 games left. So I'm not sure exactly which one I skipped over. Okay. But... I would say, I would guess we'll finish it more like 14 and 8. Okay. Would so be you, where yeah, I would guess. Even if we moved all the ones in our tie category down to losses to not be too much of a homer. Yeah. Then we're... Um, 14 8 or 15 8 if we miss one. So I, I would be okay given that okay, I'll miss yeah. one and I win. But I got 14 and 9 with, with, the, with the tallies that we, we've put on there. So Okay. I'll say 15 and 8. I'll give us, I'll take one of those 50-50s. Okay. Um, and so what, what, how many, what are we, what are we at for wins right now? Right now we are 31 and 28. Wow. So that'd be a 46 so 15 wins. more wins would be 50, 46 more wins. I think that's, is that one game behind the Jimmy Butler year? I don't know, but that's a lot higher than what Vegas, Vegas had us at 39 over under for the yep. year yep. at the beginning. Yep. Or, well, no, Vegas had us at 34 and a half. Oh, really? Yeah. Maybe I was at 39. I can't remember. I think what you said 39. I said 40. You, you might have said 39, but yeah. I might have. No, Vegas only had us at 34 and a half. So we're, we're only a few games away from passing that one. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, okay. So let's say they win 15 more games. They, I mean, optimistically 15 more games. Let's say they even win 12 more games. That puts them at 43 games. And that means Denver needs to go, they need to win 10 out of their final. Oh, three, four, five. I don't know. 10 out of their final 22 or 23. So. They would be able to do that if we win 12 games. 15 is kind of what the Wolves are going to need to do to put some pressure on them, though, for that sixth seed. Um, but we're only a game and a half out from them? We're two and a half out right now two with 23 to go for us. And ugh, math is hard. 24 to go for Denver. So, Oh, if, for the Mavs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, no, for Denver. Yeah, but the first one was the Mavs. I was thinking Denver. No, we're two and a half games behind Denver. We are four games behind Dallas. Yeah, okay. Yep. You said Denver both for both. That's why I was like... I, no, I was talking about Denver the whole time. I was getting oh. confused. But uh, oh. yeah, yeah, no. So we're two and a half game by, games behind Denver. We have 23 games left, 24 games left for them. So if we win 15 games, you know, they're going to need to win 12 out of 24 and then go 500. Um, so I think if Denver goes over 500 the rest of the way, same, I mean, same for Dallas since they're even ahead of Denver, it's going to be very tough for the Wolves to move up out of seven. Um, yeah. So let's take a look at... The state of the play-in at the moment, assuming the Wolves, no matter how well they play down the stretch, are going to be hard-pressed to, to get out of the play-in. They're going to be most likely looking at the Clippers and the Lakers in those two games because no matter who finishes in 10th, whether it's Portland right now or San Antonio or New Orleans or Sacramento and they're making a push, I don't see any of those four teams being a legitimate threat, even in the first game against the Lakers, who we don't have a very high yeah. opinion of. So what would you put the odds at of the Wolves coming out of the play-in having won having to win one of two games against the Clippers and the Lakers? Mm, I'd say it's 60-40. Okay. I mean, yeah, 60-40 is probably realistic. It I mean, still Clippers, doesn't feel if, good. Yeah, I don't know. You know, who knows with Kawhi? And I don't know what the... You know, the Clippers had our number early. Yep. Um, but the Lakers, I mean, Anthony Davis is a shell. I mean, he's just... I shouldn't even say that. When 
he's the same guy he's always been, which is very good when he can play, but the most brittle human being I've mm-hmm. ever seen grace. I mean, he's more brittle than Greg Oden. Uh, at least Greg Oden, when you go down, he can stay down. Yeah. Um, so I don't, I just like Davis probably will be out. Um, and so you're just having to contend with LeBron and a bunch of scrubs. <laughs> so yeah, we'll see what team they I'd bring rather in. play the Lakers than the Clippers. Oh yeah, but, absolutely. I think anybody would right now, yeah. especially with the in, all the infighting going on in that franchise. They don't seem to be on the same page at all, but yeah, I mean, LeBron's almost at the point where he's probably just like, whatever, let's just, let's just get through the season and I can move on. Mm-hmm. Do some, you know. So it's going to be, it's going to be very interesting as we head down the home stretch. I think we're very happy with the way the season has gone. It's going to be super exciting. And I mean, yeah, it'll be super disappointing if they get to the plane in the seventh seed and they don't end up actually advancing to the real playoffs. That has to be considered a, a disappointment and an underachievement for the season. Um, but until we I get there, say I wouldn't say underachievement because I think, I think the goal was just to make the play in not be, because like, if you if you asked us at the beginning of the season, yeah, anybody, you know who the Wolves would be playing in the play-in, you'd be expecting to be playing like a Memphis mm-hmm. or maybe a uh, Denver. Well, probably not even Denver. Memphis. I mean, uh, Golden State. Nobody knew Golden State was going to do this. Nobody knew Golden Memphis State was going to do there. this. Uh, Dallas. But you wouldn't, you would have expected at the two LA teams to be in the top four. Yeah. You know, going into the season. Well, maybe not with Kawhi, but regardless, like they would you. Mm-hmm. You would have thought the Clippers would have been top six for sure. So the fact that those two are down there and now you're playing them in the play-in, and if you you know don't make it, I wouldn't call it an underachievement because you made the you made the play-in tournament. You won over forty games. You surpassed the Vegas odds. You you did you know the. It's not like the fans are expecting a a uh, top six position going into this season. Mm-hmm. It's just that you're, the expectation the goalposts have been moved yep. since the start of the season. And they had to. I mean, with the way that the team played and the health that they've they've had, which largely has been good, you know, this year. It's got to keep looking up. You got to keep making that move forward. And you know, I think I predicted forty and forty-two, so they're not even that far away from from blowing past that one. And if they don't, if they don't get above five hundred, it's going to be a very disappointing last twenty-three games here. But uh, but here we go. We're ready for the stretch run. Uh, anything specifically that you're looking forward to out of Finch or game plan changes or just more of the development, you know, we've talked about it, or I've, I've talked about it probably every episode that we have done this season, where I, the, what I like about Finch the most is where he kind of targets one player at a time to kind of figure out their game, to get mm-hmm. them going. So, like, Vanderbilt was the, the first one. He, since then, it's been, like, Jalen Noel. Um, now he's done it with Jaden, and he, you know, did all the things with Jaden that I was asking him to do without actually yep. physically asking them because I don't know him. Um, but I was trying to get him to get Jaden opportunities that had nothing to do with corner three point shooting. Cause it's like, it's just, it drives me crazy the way these teams kind of force things to go a certain way that independent of what the talent on your, on the floor is like, they just have them like, no, you got to play this system. It's the same thing with like football. When you draft a quarterback, it's a running quarterback and you want him just to be a pocket passer. Mm-hmm. Like, well, that doesn't work because that's not what their skill set is. You know, same kind of thing here. Um, I'm what I'm looking forward to is like, can he do something with Beasley? Right the rest of the season because Beasley's been a train wreck outside of, you know, a hot one good month. I mean, he had a good month. Yeah. Yeah. And, and even then there was so, some games that were so abysmal, but he had some games that he was so on fire that it made it. Yeah, I mean, he shot 43% for the month, but he still had like 0 for nine games and it's just right. It's yeah, just crazy. Insane. Yeah. So trying to get him going, figuring out him. Um, and then, you know, 
like honestly, I was looking. Somebody posted on Twitter, and I didn't see who it did. Who did it? So I can't give them credit. But they posted like the chart of like something about like who, who would you like to see of these role players get more run mm-hmm. the second half of the season. You know, really, it's the the third yeah, third last of the season, of, last yeah. fourth of the season, almost. Yeah. <laughs> um, and he had like the true shooting percentages of all of them, and the only two guys that were in the green for three three or more categories were on that chart was Jalen Noel and Nas Reed, who Nas Reed, we've been talking about being down on. Yeah. And really, we're, like, you know, I've defended Jaden throughout the season because, you know, the people that were down on him were down on him for not being able to do the things that he was never going to be good at because mm-hmm. they weren't, didn't fall into his skill set. And I'm kind of doing the same thing I, I was, be, like, yeah, saying that people were doing to Jaden uh, on Nas because people are mad at, at Nas for not being this defensive rebounding presence alongside cat well that's not Nas isn't Nas is a mini cat he's mm-hmm. not a mini gobert like he's not going to be that guy and he and the rest of this game the, sh- the scoring and stuff he's been doing well like he's shooting high percentages he's been one of the other most consistent guys we've had like when our second unit isn't going usually Nas is it's just the rest of the units not and Nas doesn't get as many minutes because he's playing behind the best player on the team mm-hmm. so his his role is smaller than Beasley's role or you know some of these other guys um so I it's kind of a long way of me saying I don't know what more they can do with Nas because I just don't think it's I don't think it's fair to Nas to expect him to be also a, a better defensive rebounder or right. whatever because it's just not a skill set so maybe I guess what I'm saying is let's see more and I've been saying this almost every episode too let's see more of Nathan Knight just to see if we can get because defensive rebounding is the, the still our Achilles heel right now and if you can just get an able body willing to get more defensive rebounds, um, just carve out a role of six to eight minutes a game for him and to see if he can get out there for those few minutes and just pull on a bunch of rebounds. Or maybe Okogi can eat into some of Beasley's minutes and just become a rebounder for him. Because mm-hmm. it's like, whether it's Beasley going 0 for 9 or Okogi going 0 for 4, what difference does it make? Yeah. <laughs> like, so. And I mean, we haven't talked since the trade deadline. And I think that's one of the things, not only us, but a lot of people in Wolves uh, fandom were clamoring for was another big body. And yeah, I'm. You know, I might have at times wanted that body to be a replacement for Nas, um, because if you have somebody who does fill that role better, it allows your smaller power forward to not be as much of a detriment to your team. But ultimately, I mean, what you need, and this goes back to your Nathan Knight argument, and whether or not he can carry this weight, I don't know. He might foul out in seven minutes if you started giving him the, Fine, the, just the give time. Him seven minutes. <laughs> um, but they need. They need a rebounder next to Nas, so Nas can do what he does. And then whether it's Torian Prince or Jaden McDaniels as that backup small forward, they don't—they're not being asked to be the bulk on the on that front line. They need somebody to play the Vanderbilt role with the second team, and that doesn't mean you needed to go out and give a future first for Rashawn Holmes. It—it it just means that you need somebody to play 12 minutes a game in that role, so that when Nas is on the floor, you can't see every single one of his flaws so openly because there isn't anybody on the floor to make up for it. I mean, that's what our entire off, our starting lineup is. It's guys who make up for each other's weaknesses. And that's yeah, why they've been successful. And that's successful. the thing. The balance just isn't the same on the on the bench as it yeah. is on the, the starting five. You know, and it would be better if Beverly was still on the bench because yeah. Beverly's a pretty good rebounder for a guard. He's obviously the would be the best defender coming off the, well, assuming Jaden McDaniels is the guy that's starting in place of Beverly, he'd be the best defender. I still think it's a toss-up between Beverly and Jaden of who's the better defender now. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I mean, that's, so, that's something I'd love to see more. I watched the fourth quarter of that Charlotte game, and it was the first time in, a, in what felt like a month that their defense actually decided to play what they were capable of again, you know. Um, so, like, I, I couldn't have been lower on the Wolves midway through the third quarter of that game. And then by the time they, they closed it out, it was not not so much that they did something that you didn't expect. I mean, that they couldn't do. It was just they hadn't shown it for so long that I didn't expect them to pull out an identity again. Well, and it was but, another one of those moments, too, that, of, you know, cat's ascension where they just like uh, yeah offensively it was all cat but i i spent that entire fourth quarter watching Jaden and vanderbilt on the floor at the same time and how hard that made it for other teams yep and like, Jaden, i mean Jaden, he's a good offensive player as long as you're not expecting him to be you know right steph curry like he's a like he's a good like throughout the 90s and the 2000s he'd be a starting player on any team like he was mm-hmm. like he's that guy um, where he can do all, all these things. He just isn't a spot-up shooter. Yeah. And that, that's been my gripe all along with the, the criticism. It was like that, and then the fact that it's like, okay, he's a 20-year-old like Ant. <laughs> right, yeah. Most 20-year-olds don't do what Ant's doing, mm-hmm. so it's like a little unfair to be critical of Jane. Now, the weird thing is, as Minnesotans were getting, or Wolves fans, I shouldn't say Minnesotans because there's not everybody's a Wolves fan, are, were starting to get down on Jane during that time, I was seeing more buzz around him like on nationally. Twitter and stuff nationally where teams are teams that were hoping that their fan yeah. bases were like, maybe we can get Jaden McDaniels. Like that, that guy can ball. All these teams wanted a guy like that. Mm-hmm. I was wondering if maybe Nas was the same thing that the you know, wolves were hearing from other teams and Hey, you know, would you be interested in Nas? Here's, here's this stiff of a center. We'll trade you who might be a better rebounder, but he does nothing else. Well, yeah, we'll trade you him for Nas. And the wolves were like, look, we, that would fill a need for us, but we would rather have Nas long-term than this guy mm-hmm. and figure out that, problem down the road some other way and i get the challenge with Jaden. it's if you have him in the starting lineup you do have d'lo and and carl on the floor with him and just telling him to go be a basketball player rather than a spot-up shooter while good in theory is harder to practice because he's just not gonna have the ball in his hands as much and if there's an action being run whether it's d'lo's call a guy for a screen and have him slip back door for an alley-oop or whatever it happens to be that the good two-man game he has with carl is just that is not as available when all three of them are on the floor. So it right. makes it makes some sense to have him come in when one of those guys goes off. Yeah, I mean, it's the same problem with having those three, just those three together yeah. on the floor, right? That's why Delo's subbed out pretty early because you need you want one of those guys on the with the bench players early. Mm-hmm. But you know that it's like not all three of those guys can eat at the same time, you know? And the, yeah. I mean, we knew that coming in with a big three that are all three offensively focused, which is part of the reason why at the beginning of the season we were talking about, you know, why it would be, be, make sense, at least from a roster standpoint, to trade D'Lo for Simmons because Simmons could fit that. I mean, can you imagine a Simmons and right. Jaden McDaniels starting five, like – how much length you have on defense? Well, and if you play him at point guard like Philadelphia has, you have Jaden and Vando on the floor too. Yeah, I mean, that's what I'm saying. Oh yeah, yeah you saw Vando. You yeah. I would play him at point guard. Yeah, I would. I would have you know then Ant at shooting guard, Jaden at small forward, Vando at power forward, and Cat at center. I mean, your spacing is destroyed, but you figure it out. Yeah, kind of. I mean, like, but Cat can still hit the three. You know, Ant can hit the three. You still have two guys that are shooting nine or ten threes a game. Yeah, on the figure floor. Yeah, like if you can't space. With two guys, like I, uh, like all of a sudden the NBA's come where you need four three-point shooters on the floor at any given time because mm-hmm. you can't figure out how to get space any other way. That That's so bizarre to me. Like Utah Jazz didn't have that many three-point shooters. They figured out how to get space with some pick and rolls. Just, you know, do more of that. You know what I mean? Yeah. I just, like the spacing thing is just like, 
boggles my mind that like we've lost all the ability to come up with other ways to create space other than just well let's just have a let's just throw four three-point shooters out there and that way you just you literally just stand in on the corner <laughs> there's no imagination you're just spread out like standing there and you know, hoping the defense you know covers you guys like it's just weird to me. Yeah. Well, um, hopefully they've learned something this year through the spacing issues that they have faced and solving that for Vando and figuring out how to get Ant space in the lane and moving Carl around and different spots on the floor. That's our biggest win I think for the season is like the the growth of Finch even as a coach. Like, and I was a fan from yeah. the moment I saw him start coaching. I knew nothing about the guy when we hired him, but right away you could see some little wrinkles that he was just doing differently that we're, we're helping this team. And now I'm like, I couldn't be more bullish on a coach if I, like, I can't think of another coach in the league right now that I would prefer over Chris Finch for this team. No, I'm not in their state where they are and trying to get to. I mean, you yeah. can bring in a pop, but he's not going to, he's not, I mean, even though San Antonio is even farther behind we are, I don't necessarily yeah, but that's pop super checked in. Yeah, 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 that's so, not a pop. I, I get that. I'm yeah, not, but no, pop, I mean. Pop's still the greatest coach in history for me, yeah. I would still rank him number one, but I wouldn't want him over Finch because partly because of his age and like, you yeah. know, I mean, the relationship I want a coach that, that's going to yeah. be here a long, long term now. Yeah. And he's the guy that'll be here long term. I mean, and the only guy that compares and the one that is actually most like him and I'm not unique in saying this is Nick nurse and the way that he's, you know, worked out in Toronto, but they came from very similar backgrounds or very similar age. You know, they just, they're, so if you're going to move off from a you know a Finch, you got to move up to a championship level coach like Nick Nurse. So that's right. not going to happen. And there's nobody else around that tier. If you ever if if Taylor leaves and Laurie and A Rod decide to get weird with it, it would be a nightmare to move off of Finch and then try to rehire a new coach. There's, I mean, even if you're going to go with a big name like they've been you know like they've been rumored to be looking for for GM, you know, there's no there's an Elton Brand version of a head coach out there, and we're not going to like it. So yeah, exactly. Yeah. I don't think- I, I don't want Elton Brand either. As no, GM. I, don't, I don't either. I'm trying to avoid that one. I'm not necessarily saying that Gupta's you know blown it out of the water since he took over either, but we all saw what Brand did in Philadelphia, and that wasn't necessarily a home run either. And, yeah, and with Gupta, who knows how much that is? Just his hands are tied because yeah, it's very possible. I mean, you know, and, you know, kind of my thoughts around the trade line were not necessarily that he made the wrong decision. I think he could have gone to the team to the front office and said the best choice is to stay with what we have and I'm not going to make a trade just to make a trade. And that's totally his prerogative. It's totally up to them to make that decision. And I, I'm not in that room. I can't tell them whether or not that's right or wrong. But I think the excuse of the trades just weren't there is what gets me every time, especially for somebody that's trying to prove their, their worth of having the job. Because I think, I think deal making and being creative is, and making things out of, thin air essentially is what a large part of that job is i i think it's more so, so like I, we we haven't talked about it since the trade the line yeah on air or otherwise um so you were disappointed they didn't make a move i was disappointed they didn't make a move yeah and i think most fans were because they just like seeing trades on trade day trade deadline day i personally this was the first year i can remember where i, I didn't care if the wolves made a trade and it's because like i don't I mean, I would have been okay with trades mm-hmm. if it was like we're trading Beasley and we're getting something that can help you know, yeah. fill a need because Beasley's not really filling any needs right now. He's not a reliable three-point shooter like we needed him. To, mm-hmm. We needed him to be Beasley of last year yeah. in order to help this team, and he's not been that. Um, I would have been okay if they would have flipped Nas for a center that like we discussed. I just I don't think those trades were 
if if what Gupta's saying the trades weren't there, if he called on guys like that to try to get a guy and offer was offering up Nas and teams are saying no, that makes sense to me. Like, well, I and, could... and and see that, and that's where the disconnect is for me because I have like I'm not like I said I'm not telling them that they had to make a trade or that they even should have made a trade, but if they decided internally that a trade was needed, that there is something that this team needs to do its best sitting back and just waiting for other teams to come to you with what they want to make available is not, isn't a good enough excuse for But who, who's saying that that's what they did? I think that's the assumption. Well, I mean, so that's, that's the quote that comes out of every front front office. That doesn't make a trade. The, the deals just weren't there or yeah, the deals weren't there. That, yeah. that doesn't, I think the fans who are disappointed with no trade being made, read that statement. The deals are not there as saying nobody called us to offer us a trade. The deals not being there could have been we called on these guys on several guys and they told us no the deals were not there mm-hmm. that could have been the case too like we just don't know yeah and maybe I it's w- maybe it's an unrealistic expectation but being told no or waiting for somebody else to make an offer is not enough for what I want out of that position so if they decided there's something that we need and but who knows that they even decided yeah that. and that's, so that's what I'm saying if they didn't if they said this is the roster and. Yeah, we could. We want to get an all star at center, but we, you know, we can't get an all star at center because that's just you know too far out or whatever it happens to be. Then that's fine. I mean, they might have made that decision, and if they wanted to say that, they could say that. But yeah, if the, I, yeah. I honestly think the expectation going in for me was like they probably said, "Okay, we're going to make a move on the fringes. We're gonna, we're not going to make yep. a move that's going to take apart our future. Meaning, we're not going to give up multiple draft picks. We're not going to give up one of our core players." Um, and the core being yeah. the big three plus Jaden plus Vando plus, you know, whatever. Um, and then them coming to that conclusion and say, okay, so here's the the fringe players. We would trade Beasley, but even Beasley's contract mm-hmm. is valuable to us more in the summer when we can make a bigger deal than is likely to be available yep. in the, the trade deadline. So he's probably like, if the right deal came along, we would make it, but we're not, you know, we're not expecting that that's going to happen. So you're talking trading the layman's and whoever of the world. And it's like, you're going to, you're going to trade a fringe player who doesn't play for another fringe player who doesn't play just to make a move. I think a lot of fans are like, all right. Cause they could talk themselves into whatever guy we got back. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it was the, the most mature move that this team could have made. It's, it's a sign of maturity that they haven't necessarily had in many other years where they just made moves because they were sort of, panicked like okay we need to make a move we're not where we want to be so let's let's make a move now that helps in the short term maybe get us another win or two because i i can't think of any moves that we could have made realistically that would get us more than two more wins this season and still have been helping us next season you know it would have been like if you could have made a move for another beverly type player who is an expiring yeah Nobody got any of those guys this this trade deadline. There's a lot of moves, but there was nobody that got a guy like that. Well, I mean, the biggest one, the closest one, the one that the, you know John Kay came out and said that we were closest to was the Montrez Harrell. He's an expiring, and he's you know Charlotte went out and got him. Yeah. And apparently, the Wolves thought they had him, and then you know uh, Washington came back, and the Wolves were disappointed because they thought they got you know lied to or sniped or something along those lines. But yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. You had three second round picks. You had guys that aren't playing, whether it's a Kogi, whether it's Lehman. What, what, remind me, what did Charlie give up for Harrell? Nothing. I mean, I I can pull it up really quick, but it wasn't anything yeah. in their rotation. They didn't give up any first or anything? No. Because um, that, that would be the... Uh... So and I get the challenge with Harrell. He's not necessarily going to fill the... Um... Well, it's like we would have been given up likely Beasley, right? We had to give up a contract 
because Harold's making well. So and I think that would have been or Prince. Yeah, so it was Montrose Harold for Vernon Carey and Ish Smith. Um, so I, I think the gap and the run of the reasons why Washington said they went with Charlotte instead is because they weren't comfortable adding salary. So what and Harold at about ten million that means it's either like you said Torian Prince or, or Malik Beasley to have a guy who's within trading range but also um, making more than Harold is. Um, so like. If the, if the Wolves had gone and said, we'll trade Malik Beasley for Montrose Harrell, you get a player that hopefully can hit some more threes and be with you next year instead of losing Harrell for nothing, then I can see Washington being slightly interested in that. Harrell, like, and there have been plenty of people who have gone through this. So I don't need to belabor the point, but Harrell, you know, isn't a great defensive rebounder and he's also not a great defender, even though he's awesome offensively and he provides the team more size, you know, not necessarily a ton of size. He can't play center. He'd be more of a power forward, but, yeah. but to my previous point, if you could put him and Nas on the floor together just to have more total size, I think that makes a difference rather than playing, you know, either a Jaden or a Torian Prince at power forward because you just don't have a backup four. Yep. I, and I don't disagree. I mean, yeah. that's why I've been saying play Nathan Knight with Nas. Yep. It's not an expensive yep. Nas. You know, it's playing him at the four where you just have another live body crashing board. Like to me, Nathan Knight is a poor man's Vando. Mm-hmm. Um, at least in terms of his from, like, from the moments I've seen him level. on the floor, yeah, he looks yeah. similar. Yeah, yeah, he's just you know all over the place. You know, he's a better offensive player. He can shoot better than than Vando, yeah. so he doesn't hurt you there. Um, so that's why I would like to see him out there. You know, I don't like, and I like Montrezl Harrell. I've never been like super jazzed about adding him to this team because I, I think you could get a Montrezl Harrell like player by signing Greg Monroe for the rest of the year and have a similar guy like well and and that's that's another casualty of not having made any type of trades to reduce your cap hit a little bit is that with torian prince's bonuses in his contract that he is so close to hitting those that the team still isn't at a position where they can even add a 15th player they need to wait until like march 1st in order to actually be clear of any potential luxury tax payments yeah but that's like you that's two games into the second half or bottom uh, yeah so i mean i don't know the exact day i think yeah yeah, whatever it is i know it's like yeah so it's it's not to me that's not the end of the world in terms of that like that's just a mm-hmm. you know cost of doing business I that's why I just I just wasn't that offended that they didn't make a move or yeah. that they weren't even that active trying to make moves because like you have such a young team I just want to see some more of these guys develop more like we're to me we're playing with house money if we make the play in you know make the top eight and right really like if we're in the battle for the the sixth spot like mm-hmm. I don't think anybody thought that so I think that's a you know, a, a good development. And then if you just see more development out of guys like Jaden and Ant and yeah. Jalen Noel, get them more run. Like I, I wouldn't want any more guards here taking away time from Noel or even McLaughlin, who's starting to p- play really well. Um, you know, like you, you know, the, the one thing I'll concede that, that is a fair point is we could have used a better fit at power forward coming off the bench in, in place of, some of these guys that were not either not playing or Torian Prince, like Torian yeah. Prince, Layman, Okogi. Like, could they have matched Layman and Okogi? And I don't know, there would probably have to be a third guy in there to trade for Harrell instead of what Charlotte gave him. To me, right. that'd probably be more appealing. But there again, and then you keep Prince. You know, my thing, thinking on Prince is that they're probably wanting to just have that exp- come off the books for them. Yeah, and um, I think so too. I mean, as, and. I guess, you know, like you said, we're playing with house money, and that's true. We're in a great spot for a team that's going to be hopefully in the first year of a multi-year playoff run. 
you know, we, we should enjoy the ride. And if, yeah, it's, you know, one wasn't built in a day, right? Like yep. we, we can't go from being beggars to all of a sudden be dictating like, okay, now like we're, we're in the six, seven spot right now. We need to make a move to get a guy that's going to put us into the five or six spot, you know, securely mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that that's just, you know, like maybe, you know, Pennywise dollar foolish at this point in this build of this team, because, you know, that, I think that's the same reason why they didn't extend Beverly longer than one year for the same exact reason. They oh, just, yeah, they want to maintain yep. flexibility. And by, you know, like the Harrell wouldn't have really affected your flexibility. I just also don't think Harrell makes a, a big enough difference that you're willing to get. I don't think Beasley Washington would have wanted if, mm-hmm. if them not wanting to take on him. I think Beasley's numbers were like 16 million. So they would have had to throw in another guy too in order to not take on as much money. But, um, so I don't think they would have been interested in that. And then the other guys like Prince, maybe they would have, but I, you know, the Wolves might rather maintain that flexibility for a different move in the off season than for a Montrose Harrell for a few months a season. Now yeah. I get Harrell would also be expiring. So, you know, it would be similar money coming off. I think Prince is still at 12 or 13. Yeah. So it's still a little more than, um, and the Wolves are, you know, I don't know. Dane was running through the numbers on his podcast the other day of like, we actually could theoretically be under the cap this summer. We could um, have if we didn't sign Beverly. So that was okay. that was a decision that they kind so of maybe, made, maybe, which we maybe haven't touched on at all. That, that also happens since the last time we spoke. They signed Beverly yeah. to a one-year contract extension for thirteen million. The decision that they made was that instead of acting as an under-the-cap team with thirteen million right. or so, they can use a full mid-level. Now they can keep Beverly because they didn't think they'd get somebody for that money as good or better than Beverly. Plus they have the full mid-level plus they have the, the biannual mid-level exception. So, and they still have the ability to do all of those things while staying under the luxury tax. So um, it was a one year cap, you know, cap decision to just act as an above the cap teams. And you can't get it since you can't get enough space to bring in a difference maker. And then heading into the summer of 2023, both D'Lo and Beverly are tab to be you know expiring contracts so we'll see what that means for Dila moving forward if they've actually planned that out so they'd have maximum flexibility around cat and ant before either of their extensions kick in and they can go find a different third star for the team but i don't know there's a lot coming this year there's a lot coming in future years i think it's you know we had talked a lot about the trade deadline and yeah i was a little negative on the moves they did not make and the opinions taken there but ultimately it's this is the most exciting period of timberwolves basketball since the first 20 games of the Jimmy Butler season? I don't know. I mean, I would even go all, all the way back to the 04 KG Sam Spree, personally. Yeah. I it, Partly because I was excited when they signed Jimmy. I'm not trying to rewrite yep. history there. But that Thibodeau style of play was not as fun to watch as I was hoping it would be. Which is, was, which is why I said the first 20 games of the season, because the longer that season went on and then bringing in Derrick Rose and then with Tim or Jimmy going down with an injury close to the end of the season and just knowing, you know, what that meant and trying to sneak you know sneak their way into the playoffs like this is going to be the best hopefully unless they tank it this should be the most exciting prolonged stretch of 20 yeah or, or the, that stretch after bringing kg back yeah flip with and, the young guys yeah, that yeah was Levine and wiggins and cat that was pretty exciting too but so i mean the last 20 games last year were super exciting when they were trying to build something even though there was a lot of the in the back of our minds we knew it might cost them a pick or whatever it happened to be so if they make a playoff run, if they're, you know, we're going to get a play-in game at the bare minimum. We're going probably going to get two, and let's uh, let's do our best to get them all the way there, and then hopefully we get some to see what this team really is like against a, a top-tier team in a seven-game playoff series. Yeah, there's nothing better than like playoff getting to go to playoff basketball games and like 
yep. late April, or early May, like when the weather's, you can actually wear there's shorts. There's a block party center. outside. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's awesome. Yep. You walk around, like sometimes there's a Twins game going on, although that hasn't probably happened you know, only once with the Jimmy, Jimmy yeah, year. since 2010, uh, yeah. Yeah, because the uh, target target field wasn't there when KG was here. Nope. So yeah, so it was like it'll be it'll be fun just to be able to go down there when it's like meaningful basketball. It'll be a blast. We still owe everybody a conversation about the Stefan Marbury trade. We'll, we haven't forgotten about that. We'll get back to it. But uh, it's a last twenty three games. It's a home stretch. We'll be here more often. And thanks for joining us. Sadly, it's good to see you. Yeah, you too, man. Take All care. right, buddy. All right, see ya. Bye.